0: <laughs> good morning. The, the Palm Trees. Good morning. How you doing?
1: Good. Good. Just gotta wait and brew my coffee and get the COVID death rate.
0: <laughs> oh my God! I know. It's unbelievable.
1: What do you want to hit on here? We got Kyrie. Yeah. Have, uh, Kyrie, the flat,
0: the flat earther. Yeah. We
1: <laughs> Kyrie, we got the assault on the Capitol, which I'm very up to date on.
0: Okay. all stuff, right
1: Stuff that won't get us fired, but what people want to talk about, and uh <clears throat> let's do it. Three, okay. three, two, and one.
0: The JT and Looney Podcast. Episode
1: 64. Time for our playoff picks. Yes. They're at the Packers. The Rams went into Seattle. Mm-hmm. They went into Seattle where yes. Russell Wilson was the MVP for the first six or seven weeks. They dominated him. They had a swagger. They had Walford, a backup quarterback, almost lost his neck in the game. Goff comes in (laughs) with a a with a broken hand, yeah, and they win the game. And all of a sudden, no one's talking about the Seahawks. Uh, Rams' great win. They got to go on the road to play this year's MVP, the Green Bay Packers. I don't think, I don't think the Rams can stay in this game, but the Packers could be rusty. They're the only bye team in the (laughs) NFC. I'll go Green Bay twenty-eight. To twenty one, I think Green Bay wins and they don't cover the spread. I I think the world the Green Bay this year. My play my Super Bowl pick was Baltimore and Minnesota. If I could change it, which I won't do, I would pick Green Bay to win. Right now, they just look so good to me, Tom.
0: You, you don't need to change anything about the Baltimore Ravens. What happens with the Green Bay Packers this Saturday is the, on the big fox. It's the same thing that happened to the Baltimore Ravens last year. The bye week will kill their momentum. Also, we, we love to pay attention to the Lamborghinis when it comes to quarterbacks and, and the offensive pieces. But the Rams' defense is such a pain in the ass when that Rams' defense is playing well. You know, and, and all of a sudden, you're smacking Aaron Rodgers aside the head, and all of a sudden, we'll get that Tom Brady, Eli Manning, bad body language from... From Aaron Rodgers. and You're once not you,
1: picking the Rams, are you? You're yeah, not picking, I'm picking the Rams. You're the Rams. Rams to win at Lambeau Field? in so, you know, Aaron Rodgers' MVP year, maybe on his last run to a Super Bowl? You're, you're saying he's losing his home game, his first game? The Green Bay Packers
0: are the Dallas Mavericks,
1: JT? The Green Bay
0: Packers oh. are the Dallas Mavericks? What have they done in the last 20 years? They've been good, not great. Even when they've been great, they don't win championships. They don't go to the Super Bowl. They've got one championship. In in the entire time that Aaron Rodgers has been there, and as do the Dallas Mavericks, one championship, the the entire time Dirk was there, Aaron Rodgers is Dirk Nowitzki. He's a great player who has one championship, and that's all he's getting. Rams are going to win and cover.
1: I'm pulling for Buffalo for your dirt, your friends in upstate western New York, for Uh, my friends up there. They've been waiting a long time. Buffalo opened up minus three. We'll play it here. Buffalo minus two and a half. If it changes, it'll be right around two and a half or three. Baltimore, my Super Bowl pick comes in after a really good late. They were down ten nothing, and then they stormed back and shut down Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill easily. Lamar Jackson got going in the game. I'm gonna. am I'm, I'm rooting for Buffalo to win. I pick Baltimore to win the Super Bowl. I think Baltimore advances. I think they're the better team. The problem is Buffalo's played better than them all year, but Baltimore's the better team, better roster, and they're getting great right now.
0: Baltimore's the better team, better roster, had the right time. Uh, They didn't have to do the bye week thing, which can slow teams down. Who knows if there's any such thing as momentum. I need to add that, but... If there is, it was ruined last year by their bye week. They didn't get one. So there's still a well oiled machine that hasn't been in the garage for an extra week, like the Green Bay Packers. And keep an eye on the weather in in Buffalo. Have you, have you checked your, your weather.com app to see what the weather's going to be like in Buffalo? That has uh, a lot to do with the outcome of this game, but they both are, maybe it will. It just depends. If the, if the weather is too slippery for, Lamar Jackson to do his thing. It could affect the game. I am cheering for the Bills, but I think the Baltimore Ravens win and cover 27-20. And now that I think about it, the weather probably doesn't matter at all because when it comes to the ground game, actually the Ravens have the better ground game than the Buffalo Bills. No matter what, the most important thing for you, the JT and Looney podcast listener, is to make sure you wager on the game you got to get more gambling in your life. And make sure you do it at betonline.ag, the best and only place to lock it in from game spreads and totals, team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place on the planet or any other planet. We don't know if any other planets have online gambling. So it's probably the only place in the entire universe, the entire Milky Way. BetOnline.ag. Head there. They have an online casino open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline.ag. If you haven't signed up, sign up today. BetOnline. Your online sportsbook experts, JT.
1: Yeah, I got the Ravens winning a 28-24. to 24. I think it'll be a very close game. Again, go Bills. Bills Mafia. We'd like to see the Bills. We'd love Win, to see it. Uh, Cleveland at Kansas City. Kansas City at 10-point favorite coming off the bye. Cleveland, oh, nothing. They destroyed Big <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger God. in Pittsburgh. Bad snaps, 28 to nothing. <laughs> Just an embarrassment. Mike Tomlin <laughs> on that Neumann microphone explaining why they didn't deserve to win the game. <sighs> Look, I'm a Baker Mayfield. Thank you, Lord. I got Baker Mayfield right. I told everybody he was the number one pick. He won the Heisman Trophy. He'd be great. Now he's won 10 games. He's led a franchise to the playoffs, and he's won a playoff game. Thank you, JT. You were right about Baker Mayfield, but he won't beat Kansas City in this game. Kansas City, Cleveland, just too much for them on the road. Kansas City 34, Cleveland 21, Kansas City in a blowout.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be a blowout because the Cleveland Browns uh, were too impressive from play one against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I organizationally, of course, I can't get the Browns out of my head. I can't get the stink out of my head. But this year is an anomaly. And Baker Mayfield, God, with a rookie head coach and then no head coach last week, and they were incredible. So if that's how they play without their coach, They're not going to win a game against the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City, but they're not going to lose by more than 10. Chiefs win, but they don't cover.
1: Thank you. And finally, how does anybody pick between Tampa Bay and New Orleans? I I do. How good do you have to be to pick this? New Orleans won both contests this year. How does this sound? What happens if Drew Brees beats Tom Brady three times, three times in a a year, and wins the Super Bowl? That's much bigger. Not bigger much than John Elway going out his last game winning a Super Bowl. Not even close. If Drew Brees can win the Super Bowl, get his second like Elway did, and beat Brady three times the GOAT, and Brady's not getting old. He's not playing poorly. This will be one of the greatest walk-offs in sports history. I want to pick New Orleans. They're the favorite by three. I just uh, Luring in front of me is Tampa Bay playing a home game in the Super Bowl in Tampa. I don't think they'll win at Green Bay in the NFC Championship game, but this is my upset special. Wow. Tom Brady, the reason he went there, Gronk, Antonio Brown, they go into the Dome, and they win this game 27-26. Tampa Bay wins, and they advance to the NFC Championship at Lambeau Field.
0: Oh, one of your media elite picks. I see JT as the legendary JT the Brick one of the original Mount Rushmore sports talk radio hosts goes with Tom Brady in the Tampa hate Bay Buccaneers hate to do it. Well, I will Get tell it. you the Tampa, I, what did I call the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year? They're the Leslie stall of the national football league.
1: Remember when Trump couldn't That's handle good for our younger podcast demo, <laughs> please come up with someone better than Leslie stall.
0: Well, it was, it was a reference to 60 minutes when the president had a tough time with Leslie stall. If you have a tough time with uh, the Tampa, with the New Orleans saints, uh, and you can't beat the New Orleans Saints. You don't go on to win the Super Bowl. And twice this year, as you, as you mentioned, the New Orleans Saints in the first time was a real beatdown. But you know, the excuses can be made that it was early on in the season and blah, blah, blah. But I didn't buy into the Tom Brady hype. Tom Brady reminds me of when we, if we go back in the hot time machine when you were a little boy, JT, and before I was born, whenever Joe Namath was on television. The announcers just drooled for four quarters while well, he played like shit. <laughs> do you do you remember that? Oh my God, they loved him because he's lovable, and uh, and his and he had that quick release, and they they were just caught up in the '69 Super Bowl, which we don't remember, but uh, they, the the announcers just fawned all over Joe Namath. They fawned all over Tom Brady. And the, but this is going to be Brady's last stand this year anyway. New Orleans Saints 28, Tampa Bay Buccaneers 24. That will be your final score according to my psychic abilities. Calling CQ, calling CQ. Uh, uh, come in, please. The JT and Looney podcast
1: episode. So we have 381,000 COVID deaths in the United States as of right now, as we record the podcast. The president getting impeached for the second time and an assault on the United States Capitol. And how was your New Year, Tom? <laughs> and how was your
0: day? <laughs>
1: Welcome back well. to the Believe Podcasting Network with JT and Looney. Uh, we've kind of missed each other on the transition from 2020 to 2021. But good to see you back, my old friend.
0: And, you know, over the last four years, the word transition has a whole new meaning. It just used to mean from going from one thing to another. I guess it still does. But you remember, we were doing uh, radio in the days when Bruce Jenner became Caitlyn Jenner. And we never had to talk so much. You know, this is the way uh, sports talk has changed. You never had to talk so much. About human sexuality and politics, we kind of used to leave that aside. Normally, in sports casting over the years, if you dipped your toe into human sexuality or politics, you'd get in trouble. Now, you can absolutely, positively cannot avoid it.
1: Well, uh, Caitlyn Jenner made it easy to talk about transition. So we <laughs> yes. like that. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I got a story yes. to with that. And then, you know, sports talk radio in general sucks because now what's happening is. I love my job more than ever, and I've always said I don't talk about politics and sports until sports become politics or politics invade sports. And that's really my mantra as I jump in and do my shows every day is, okay, there's so much politics in sports. How can I find a way to not, A, talk about it, or B, if I have to talk about it, lead with it in a sports-related debate? Conversation and then include the political side of it. Right. That's what's changed the most in the last couple of years. And I really feel for the younger guys and gals, they always say gals, they're not getting in our business. They should be. They should be flourishing in our business. And there are a few who are fabulous. But what's happening now is it's difficult for new people to come into sports talk, into this room, because they're not up to speed on politics. They right background they, they might just have voted for the first time and you're asking them to talk about kneeling or the president or coronavirus and politics and or an
0: insurgency problems. they don't even know what the word means and it's not their fault <laughs> they weren't political science majors like i was <laughs> they were you know they, they studied how to do play by play
1: yeah so it's becoming <clears throat> more and more unique uh, real quickly i got a uh, you know how I love to look at my tweets and to see. Who yes. Li-
0: which I tweet- beg you not to. Yes. <laughs> who,
1: uh, who, li- who like who liked the tweets that are negative to me? Because every once in a while you'll find out that like someone will say something about you and then there'll be a few likes and then you click on who liked it. <laughs> someone said something they thought was so negative about me, but it was the greatest honor I've had. They said, oh, oh wow. it was so good. They said JT show. Oh, his show stuck in the 90s. And I said, yeah, it is. Right now, you better believe it is I'm talking sports. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of the few guys who are talking <laughs> sports like in the 90s. <laughs> so like, You're you know, right. It was in the 90s. Well, I guess that's really bad because I do a monologue talking about the biggest topics of the day. <laughs> I interview an A-list guest. I open up the phones and take a few calls while some not- networks don't take calls all day. And then I do it again at the top of the hour with strong opinions. I guess I'm stuck. <laughs> In the '90s, and the '90s were great to me, by
0: the way. Oh, the '90s were. were both of us love the '90s, and I will tell you this: it's uh, there are times in life. There's these great ironies in life that sometimes where people will critique us, and you look at it or you read it, and you think, "Oh my God, that person doesn't realize what an outstanding compliment they gave me." If we go back in the hot tub time machine. I was working at a rock station in State College, Pennsylvania. So this is why I was going to Penn State. And it was really cool because I, you know, I would talk in class and people would recognize my voice because I was the guy that was on the rock station at night. At some point, the country station came calling. Nobody in, in, in Penn State was listening to, but they were going to pay me more money, let me do afternoon drive and, uh, and, and produce commercials, et cetera. And I really wanted to expand myself in the business. So they hired me, and at some point, the owner, who was very uh, hands on, sent me a letter critiquing me. And he said, When you are, he said, The the, really the whole point here is the radio station is supposed to be about the music. And when you're on the air, it's impossible not to notice you're there. (laughs) And I looked at that sentence and I said, Oh my God, that's what I'm trying to do. Have a big presence on the radio. It's impossible not to notice you're there and what you are saying. And I said, oh, my God. He's annoyed with what I'm actually trying to do is have a great presence on the radio. Make it impossible not to notice I'm there. And so uh, it's wonderful when people sometimes will put things in writing that they think are a critique. And you really makes you feel good. And that is what's always been good about your show since the uh, since the pandemic started. And when I was working with you, as you were always able to steer it back, even we'd start you and I, if we disagreed, start screaming about uh, a social issue or or a game or a sports issue. You were always able to steer it right back and keep the ship moving forward. Talking about sports.
1: Was that when you fell in love with Ronnie Millsap? And my mother-in-law knows it was all the country (laughs) years. Was Uh that the birth of country? Yes. Really. So for a kid from Elmira. I would assume because Elmira is pretty rural that you heard some country music, but we're New Yorkers. We didn't hear country music like they did in. Oh, 10- you
0: and I. Well, you and I when we were growing up, you know, the music you related to was important, especially amongst your group of friends. So I had to, even if there was other music I liked, and I like all music. Period. Colors for the years. I like all music. Even if you liked some of the Bee Gees and Queen and some of the what they called disco music at the time. Uh, you wouldn't say it out loud. <laughs> no, no, I liked Rolling Stones. And, uh, the Beatles were already done, but they were still uh, play, being played loud on the radio and loud in our speakers. And you liked Rush? Yeah, it was loud guitar music, loud white boy music is what I liked. Verbally, and admitted that I liked, but I actually actually like all. Yeah, and
1: I grew up. I didn't. I was sheltered as a young boy in Massapequa because I didn't hear any country music in my house, and I never had Mexican food. There was no such thing on Long Island Mexican food. There wasn't a place where you can pull up and go, "Wow, look over there!" On Friday, with our parents, we're going to go to this Mexican restaurant and try something. We didn't have anything. So you know, JT's house,
0: there was no taco Tuesday no here
1: <laughs> Tuesday until I moved to San Diego and it was on a budget and we, and we found the two dollar torpedo burrito, which still to this day on the beach in Pacific Beach, California, little tiny. I wish I knew the name of it. Who cares? There's a billion of them in Southern California, but a little taco shop where I would ride my bike and get the $2 Torpedo Burrito and then get another one and save it and put it in the fridge for when you're hungover or you're drinking. Oh, there's it.
0: nothing. There's that something magical. Uh, but there are some foods that are magical. One of the foods that are magical, uh, A, is sourdough toast with butter. Something magic happens when you put that butter on sourdough toast or fresh baked sour bread. And Mexican food that's been put in the refrigerator all night and just somehow all of it coagulates together. And then when you heat it up in the microwave, it's magical.
1: And it's I'm so good on this topic right now because both my sons are home. My son's home from college and my youngest son, who's a senior in high school, all they do. My wife can cook phenomenally. We could have whatever we want. We can go out to dinner when we want to, even if, if it's a pandemic. And my son's, all they eat is Roberto's. And my oldest son. What is Roberto's? Roberto's is a taco shop here all over. <laughs> in wow. Colorado, but they're huge out here. And my son who's lost probably 65 to 70 pounds. Wow. off the, and,
0: the former lineman. Wow. He's
1: in the best shape of his life. He's on the Peloton at the house. He's doing all these workouts. And what he does is. I don't know if I want to talk about, and we'll get into staggering your food, when you eat, when you clean, whatever you're doing to stay in shape. Right. What he does is that's what he eats. He goes there and has this certain type of burrito, and he eats that, and then he pretty much doesn't eat much more the rest of the day unless he's a little bit hungry, and my other son just gets it all the time. So when they come home from school, they go to the drive-thru, and they buy Mexican food and bring it home, and my wife. Does, she's not astonished anymore she expects it as she's preparing right. it for myself and her and they just walk in and they love their mexican
0: well one of the things you can eat if you're uh if you're protein loading mexican food is like a burrito with that's kind of want to avoid that tortilla but even if you don't you just stuff it full of the protein, chicken burrito or a steak burrito, but that's all you have them put in there. It's a steak burrito. Maybe put some cheese in it too. There's no carbs in cheese. So I see what your son is doing. And a lot of people in, and I'm, I'm included every January because over the holidays, Americans gain an average of two pounds, which is no big deal. But after 10 years then after 20 years, <laughs> that's 40 pounds. So uh yeah I I'm right now this is killing me because I'm doing my January uh, intermittent fasting like the popular people are doing now but I've always done it every January if you remember I used to go balls out we used to always have the Cinco de Mayo weekend in uh, in Las Vegas for fights for years a decade at least and so I would just start in January there's no real holidays between January and Memorial Day it's really a no excuse time to fix what you eat, and nobody's sending you candy, big boxes of candy, et cetera, and and gift boxes uh, full of Hawaiian bread. So you really can, between January and May and Memorial Day, go balls out or ovaries out and get yourself leaned out. Are you going to do that with your Peloton and your diet?
1: Well, I got the Peloton, and uh, again, I'm trying to figure out a way to fit it into my life. So I did it last night. Good. After the show, I get off the air at 10. I've been doing Good. it since we got it. It was kind of a New Year thing. And I'll tell you, I got on the Peloton. I did the 45-minute cycle with Jane from London. <laughs> <laughs> and she was singing and dancing with me on the bike, and I did it all. Anyway, I did it, and I'm done, and it's you know before 11 o'clock. Take a shower. I go to bed, and I slept like a baby. Of so course. I had yeah. an epiphany this morning. Because I said, when can I do it? Get up in the morning and do the Peloton. Or I have time in between both shows. I'm on from noon to uh, noon to two. And then I'm Uh on from seven to ten. So I can do it there. Right. And I'm going to do it now at night because I slept so good that I felt like I had the greatest sleep of my life. And I was in bed before 11 but I didn't get to bed till 1 but then I slept fantastic and you know over the years throughout my life my adult life I've had a couple of dry months in January very easy to oh, do Oh that's it. right
0: you just don't drink for the month of January which kills right. you yes
1: and then the <laughs> and then the month of February comes and it's the Super Bowl so right. I went calendar which we'll get to this should be called the calendar podcast <laughs> so from January 1st to February 7th or February 4th, whatever it is, you know, it's easy not to drink. But when mm-hmm. you have friends like Bobby G and Jimmy B and guys come out and visit and <laughs> yeah. last weekend, Steve Hahn came out for a golf trip. And we and you're,
0: you're, a lot of times your friends don't stay at the casinos. Oh, they, they stay at your house. Yeah, they
1: yeah. stay at the house and they yeah. pour big, bold cabs. And <laughs> we met a couple of beer guys over the last couple of weekends, generous men who were dropping off beer. So, you know, I'm not on that train this year, but it's it should be easy to do. And on top of it, for those of us who like to throw back a cerveza, <clears throat> we don't want to stop during a pandemic. This is not the time. No, no. This is the time you're supposed oh, no. to reward yeah. yourself with a big bullet. Matter of fact, people
0: course. in AA have started during the pandemic. <laughs> this, is, oh. this is rough on people.
1: Yeah, one of my best friends who's uh, in AA out here and doing wonderfully at it, uh, he, uh, he goes to five meetings a week. And wow. now during the during the pandemic, they're doing seven. They're doing oh, seven days a week at a necessity. Some of the, the gals and guys need the extra day because they can't get lost because of the mental anguish and the well, stress and being out of work. They have their meetings every day to stay on top of their sobriety. And it's
0: addicting talking about yourself. You need an, an, another meeting just so you can because you get, you, you know, you miss talking about yourself because, as you know, I always call them I I meetings because every every sentence begins with I. I remember the time I hit rock bottom. I was at the hard rock on the strip. I had just got done gambling. I was at the bar. (laughs) And it goes on and on and on with 15,000 sentences that begin with I, and people get addicted with that.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that because I've been having this discussion with my buddy who goes to his meetings across the street from me. And he says some of the greatest stories, and he's a great storyteller, some of the Uh greatest stories he's ever heard at at these meetings. And I asked him why. And, again, he would never divulge. You never divulge who's there, ever. You never divulge what they're talking about. Oh, they've
0: turned into the biggest bunch of big mouths, though. The, the, The anonymous part's gone.
1: Yeah, well, they don't repeat what they talk about at meetings. The ones is,
0: you know, anyway.
1: Oh, yeah. they, it's not its not supposed to be open, an open forum for strangers. You're supposed mm-hmm. to have private conversations from what I hear. But, again, some great storytellers, some amazing storytellers, and some of the most unique people and fun people you ever met in your life are in AA. And they have, the yes. better, they have the better stories than the people who aren't in. And that's really been the struggle for a lot of guys in the category of you know, I always want to be able to drink at my son's wedding. Right. This might sound very trivial, but, you know, when my sons get married, I want to be toasting them, and I want to be sitting in the back of the bar with all my buddies who are going to be there. You don't want to be drinking water.
0: seltzer water. No,
1: yeah. I don't. I don't, but I don't mind other people who do. Right. people that give away their daughters at weddings or their sons yeah. get married, and they're drinking soda water. And fine for them. That That's the journey that they've been on. But, you know, it's interesting when you, which would be me, have some friends who... Who are not in AA but drank a lot more than the guys who are in AA. Oh, right. <laughs> well, to this day. That's but for true. whatever reason, they believe they manage it better, right? Mm-hmm. They, they haven't lost their job. Or they
0: actually do manage it better, right? Yeah, yeah. They do
1: manage it better and they're able to handle it all and they're not having some of the blowouts or the personal issues that others are having. And again, I believe that anybody who needs a program needs to talk. Needs oh, it's
0: wonderful. Talk. It's wonderful. I make fun of it, but it's wonderful. And one thing, so, some sober people, my cousin, who's just turned 30 needs to get uh, understand is that ha- being sober and having your shit together is two different things. <laughs> they are two separate things because my cousin's been sober seven years, but does not have his shit together. But he thinks he has his shit together because he's been sober seven years, but he still needs to get a job. And when <laughs> you were talking about the anonymous part, oh, going back in the hot tub time machine, I, a friend of mine, who was an older actor, uh, wanted to, you know, read a book about turning forty or whatever, fifty, and we opened up a, a coffee house together in Venice called Van Gogh's Ear, and it exploded in popularity overnight before we even knew what we were doing. It became a really popular celebrity restaurant, etc. But it introduced you, introduces you to the world because coffee houses are a very unique open atmosphere and people are reading. There's poetry night and stand-up comedy night and live music night. You do all this stuff to get people in. There was this wonderful guy from East L.A. named Stewart, And I still have his number somewhere. And and he was from South Central L.A., black guy. And he was really, uh, it was that A.A philosophy of owning everything and he was straight but hiv positive and he had to announce but an addict and he had to announce everything and uh, what a delightful guy and and he would he came in one day and we were talking about lawrence fishburn who was larry Fishburne, who was our neighbor who lived upstairs oh wow and was nominated maybe for an academy award we were excited because it was it was. Before, he was wealthy enough to live anywhere other than the apartment upstairs, or he was becoming so successful and busy, he couldn't move out. And when it happened, Stuart said, Oh, my God, I've never seen him in here, because he used to come in all the time. But uh, I used to see him at, there's a rib joint called Dem Bones on Santa Monica Boulevard, and they have a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. I used to see Larry at the Narcotics Anonymous meetings all the time. And I'm thinking, Stewart. It's called anonymous. (laughs) He would announce the celebrities that he met at N.A. and A.A. And that, you know, we've watched that evolve over the years where and this is a good thing. In our lifetimes things that were always swept under the carpet where you had to keep it secret that you were an alcoholic you had to keep it secret that you were gay you had to keep secret that you were an addict you had to keep it you had to keep all those things hush hush they were embarrassed you had to keep it secret that you were going to therapy all those things that were we would shame people over or people would feel shame about. That the millennials are now just owning everything. They put it in their profiles on social media.
1: It's wonderful. Yeah, they put their therapy. <laughs>
0: oh my God!
1: Their profile. Yes, I'm an addict. <laughs> I'm an AA, and I'm transitioning. Hi, I'm Billy. You know? <laughs> and, you know, I've never talked to anyone in my life, and I'm using I'm using this podcast as my new therapy session. Okay, great. For whatever reason. Hey, speaking of, you said in your phone, he might be in your phone. Uh, let's play a game. You have your phone with you.
0: Oh uh, yeah,
1: sure. Uh, pick a letter, any letter from A to Z. Okay. Play home. Play home with this. If you yes. can go back in the podcast. So pick any letter from A to Z in your in the alphabet.
0: In the context. Okay. Let's go with J.
1: Okay. Well, that's tough. <clears throat> a lot of people have J as a first name, but let's well, you could, by, Oh, the, the rules of this.
0: If you're gonna if you're gonna do the the fame game, uh, it's first or last name with uh, whatever's under your J.
1: All right, So here's how the game goes it's a great drinking game you could you go through the letters now you, we're at J so everybody open up their cell phone yeah. let's see if we could either a name some celebrities because we're right. a celebrity culture here we don't yes. have loyalty in America what's more important loyalty. than that okay and then let's talk about some of the people in your J's and the way we do this is the person the people who aren't celebrities, are more fascinating than the celebrities. Okay, true. do to put a clock on this because we could babble a while on this. Maybe 30 seconds for okay. a few people in your J's. You can go first in your J's. Well,
0: I have internationally famous comedian Jay Moore is in my J's. He texted, oh, me, texted me the other day when he heard me on the radio on KABC. It was great to hear from Jay. Rolling Stone calls Jay the best stand-up comedian in the United States of America. Who's a I will
1: say day. this. I will go on top of that. Jay mm-hmm. Moore is the only one funny enough to tell jokes on sports radio. He's True. The only, He's the only comedian who's allowed to be a comedian on sports radio. All right. I'll go Uh critically acclaimed sports talk and news talk host, Bruce Jacobs. Okay. Great. That's a, so a good awesome Jay. Is there a great sports talk legend
0: host? in Phoenix? Yes.
1: A guy in Phoenix. Okay. You're up next.
0: Jamie Maggio, Jamie Maggio, uh, who is an anchor on, uh, who's a sideline reporter for TNT. Uh, she's a, a, an anchor in Los Angeles at Spectrum Sports. You know who Jamie is? Yes. Yes, and and Jamie at the she's made a great trajectory in her career. When I was working at the best damn sports show period, I would give my invoices to Jamie Maggio at the end of every week. And she was able she, all she ever wanted to do was sports casting. She got herself in that business uh, in that building as a clerical and then took advantage and said, hey, can I go out downstairs and make stuff on the, with that teleprompter? Whatever you got loaded on the teleprompter, I want to record some stuff. And she, her, her, her career began on that Fox lot. Jamie Maggio.
1: Next for me, Sebastian Janikowski. Oh, you wow. <laughs> One of the greatest characters, greatest kickers in NFL history. He lives in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, in that area. Most people don't know. We text from time to time. Uh, a great partier a great football player. A re- you love him because he's a football player. He oh, yeah. Position and he decided to play kicker, and Al Davis drafted him in the first round.
0: Well, Al Davis was happy because he had a kicker who could tackle somebody just in case they got through, that, uh, through the wall back in the day. Oh, this is a tough one. It's between Jim Lampley and Jim Mora. Jim Mora Sr., Uh, The great New Orleans Saints coach playoffs and the Indianapolis Colts coach who drafted Peyton Manning was a co-worker of ours at Fox Sports Radio and a great guy.
1: Well, you say that I had him on my show, Jim Mora Jr. this week Uh, in the Jays. I have Benny Jett, the legendary rock star from Detroit, Michigan, without a doubt. uh, Perfect time to say it. Maybe the most important caller in my 25 year career, number one. Because he – not because he's a great caller, but because he's done more for me in regards to marketing the show. He religiously still to this day goes on Facebook every day, posts about my shows, spreads the word of my show to everybody – He was on Pawn Stars on the replay this week. Six million downloads of when he brought the gun that was thought to have killed Jesse James to Vegas was on Pawn Stars. And it was one of the more downloaded uh, TV shows they've ever done.
0: This one's important and maybe it exposes also who I am, just like uh, just like that did for you with Benny Jett, that you actually became friends with your callers, unlike any other talk radio host in the country. Javier Enriquez was a friend of mine at Taylor's Restaurant. Over the years, we always talked about Taylor's Restaurant because I went there on Friday Friday or Saturday nights. He worked himself up from a busboy to a waiter to the manager of, of Taylor's restaurants. Eventually got deported when he uh, – I shouldn't be giggling. It was awful. Uh, he, he moved to Atlanta to get a big job at a restaurant there, but Atlanta was much more – it wasn't smart, wasn't – uh what did they call that? wasn't an asylum town like like Los Angeles is where they leave immigrants alone and they don't deport them. And so I have his wife's name here, too, because I would take his son toys while he was out of the country.
1: Oh, in the sanctuary city that you have? In yes, the-, the sanctuary. I live in a sanctuary city. You should not. Sanctuary cities in California. I've noticed it's like there's a sea of sanctuary. Yes. <laughs> yes. In
0: California. And you do not move out of a sanctuary city to just. Just a bit of advice to the illegal immigrants listening to the show, a big shout out and hug and advice would be don't move from a sanctuary city to a non-sanctuary city just for a little more money because it can cost you a lot on the other end when you're trying to get back from Mexico or wherever you are.
1: All right, one more. J.O.D., Perfect. the great John O'Donnell, uh, who's a legendary uh, bartender bartender of the year in Vegas back he in the was, day. was uh, one of the most famous people I ever met in Vegas. He's connected me to many people. We walk together. We walk during the pandemic. We got oh, great, together. Great. We hang out a lot. He's in J's under J.O.D. And Tom, give us one more on the way out of the J's in your contacts on your iPhone.
0: Oh, yeah. Justin Zambona, also known as Justin Cooper, a child <laughs> star who worked with us at Fox Sports Radio. He was an That's intern awesome. on our show. He had the choice of being an intern in any show. He chose ours. He spent, it's, it was it was fascinating having him as an intern because we got into the head of professional athletes who lived their life in reverse. He lived his life in reverse. From age six to 16, all he did was work. He didn't go to school. He was a little boy on General Hospital for 10 years. He uh, starred in movies with Jim Carrey and was a liar, liar. That was a big one for him. Dennis the Menace. And so it was great getting inside his head, trying to figure out what it's like when you, and they eventually went to USC, got a degree. When you live your life in reverse and you're 22, you just get out of college. You saved all your money that you, for, for college from your acting. You have all this money in your bank, but you don't know what, what you want to do with your life because you've already did everything you wanted to do. And you're 22. And that's what happens to a
1: lot of athletes.
0: And he's a fascinating guy. Justin Cooper, big shout out.
1: Kyrie Irving doesn't want to play basketball. You won't believe this story. You want to talk about a a hot topic for the JT and Looney podcast. So Kyrie Irving is the guy who thought about the flat earth theory and was dead serious when he said the world was flat. He was dead serious when he said that. And then, you know, he goes through, he wins a championship with LeBron. He's probably the greatest dribbler I've ever seen in my lifetime, along with Allen Iverson, who almost broke Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan's ankles. So he's great. He's already got a championship, and now he's with the Brooklyn Nets after literally being run out of Boston. Let that sink in for a second. (laughs) A great
0: basketball player run out of Boston.
1: You you don't want to get run out of the Laker organization (laughs) or the Celtic organization. How does that happen? So He comes to Brooklyn, and he gets to play with Kevin Durant. And now... There is a breaking news story this week that he doesn't want to play basketball. And what that means is he's missed a couple of games for personal reasons. So let's stop there for a second. One thing that can get you in trouble in sports radio is when you mock people's personal issues. Right. It could be their mother has Alzheimer's and is dying or they have someone in their family that has a private issue that Well maybe they're
0: problem. suffering from depression. Right, or yep. they're suffering from depression. And we think they have it all.
1: But now we're finding out that Kyrie Irving went to his sister's 30th birthday party in New Jersey where he didn't have a mask on and they sang as she was blowing out the candles. And there's a game going on. Game going, and then he jumped on a Zoom call, a political Zoom call with Cynthia Nixon in New York, who's running or has some type of title, and she was one of the stars with Sarah Jessica Parker in Sex in the City. She played the lesbian in Sex in the City. Okay, she she has a Zoom. They're on a Zoom, and Kyrie shows up. He's just sitting in one of the boxes, and there's a game going on. (laughs) Oh God! So Kyrie is not showing up for work. He makes four hundred and ten thousand dollars a game a game not a week and he has things called days off in between games where he doesn't have to play because they have the bleeping day off so Kyrie now is the story James Harden also who lost to your Lakers last night as we record this had his fourth game in a row without 20 points he's out of shape he doesn't want to play in Houston and he's got two years left on his enormous contract so two Of the top seven players in the league don't want to play basketball, and they're disgruntled as America is fighting an insurgence, an election cycle, a pandemic, unemployment. People are out of work trying to feed their families, and these guys don't want to play.
0: And I think the most important word there you said about America was unemployment because half of the country doesn't even pay attention to politics, but half the country is unemployed. And uh, as is the other half who does pay attention to politics. And also that gives a lot more people a lot more time to, to go into the streets because they don't have to go to work. And, and pe- when people see that, that's one of the things, as you know, from working in sports talk radio over the years, always the first thing out of average Joe's mouth. Joe, the plumber will call from Munts, Indiana and say, these guys make all this money. And so that's how the average fan thinks, whether, whether it's fair or not. And, you know, when if somebody misses a game because they're suffering from depression, sometimes people complain and say awful things about that. But that's not what this is. Uh, this is if you're making four hundred and ten thousand a game or four hundred and ten dollars a game, a lot of people would take that <laughs> uh, to play basketball. You don't miss work. Uh, You and I always had that philosophy, don't miss work. We're getting paid well to do this, and it's barely work. It's fun. You're playing basketball. It's fun. Nothing bothers the average Joe more. Nothing hurts your sport more than when you make it look like you don't care. And it it hurts your teammates, too, because the other guys busted their ass through, through, through their childhood years and high school and college to get on that team. They work hard every day. They show up early and leave late. And you're at a birthday party blowing out candles, which is the last thing any American should be doing at a birthday party right now is taking off a mask and blowing out a cake.
1: And on top of this, which is so remarkable to me, is that the issue becomes that he's a brilliant player and people need entertainment. And this is what they do because they can't go to games. So they watch on TV. Oh, God, he is. And he doesn't show up for work. It'd be like Jerry Seinfeld not showing up for Seinfeld. Right. Individuals not showing up for work in the entertainment field, or a singer, the lead guitar player, not showing up for a concert. And I blame Steve Nash, and I'm going to set you up beautifully. Oh, you blame
0: Steve Nash.
1: Steve Nash is the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, and he cut the line because he's never coached before. He's consulted. He hasn't coached. He's consulted. He's a two-time MVP, and he's coaching the team because he was handpicked by Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So as I play sound on my radio show, Steve Nash has nothing to say. They actually asked him, quote, my, my 17-year-old and 19-year-old son on their phone showed me the video on their phone of Kyrie Irving at the birthday party. They asked Steve Nash, hey, Steve, uh, your comments about the birthday party and the allegation." Steve Nash said, uh, well, I haven't seen the video. I don't know the video. Ugh. It's like, Really? You're the head coach of the Nets. It's on the back page of the New York Post. And my son in Vegas has seen the video, but you're the coach and you haven't. And he was cherry-picked by Durant and Kyrie to coach the team because he wouldn't say a word to him, And it, they'd let him do whatever he wants to Say hello
0: to. and let him go, like the program directors we liked.
1: Yeah, and then now they're <laughs> not going to – yeah, great point. Now they're going to let – they're going to let Kyrie – Kyrie's digging this hole. Adrian at Mark Stein, everybody who's reporting on that inside the NBA world media now has no choice. And I think – I believe as I sit on my soapbox, I believe that they should right. suspend him for 10 games – Ten games at his salary because every game he misses because when he wants to come yeah that's four million dollars yep. right every game he misses he has to go into COVID protocol he just can't come back because he's been gone from the team they have to put him in COVID protocol just fine him the four ten for every game he misses add four or five more games and hit him for four million bucks because it'll be probably the biggest fine in the history of sports.
0: Well, I th- we, they knew what they were getting into. You worry when you're drafting a guy or you get a free agent who talks about the earth being flat. You, you, it's, it's a worry right off the top. Now, of course, you've seen the videos and you talk about his ball handling ability. And he won a championship with LeBron James. However, all you have to do to win a championship with LeBron James is be on the team because uh, LeBron James is going to take you to the finals. So uh, and, and something's to be said, too. I think Kyrie Irving wanted to be a Laker and LeBron James didn't want him, that great basketball player. So there were a lot of warnings, but the Nets have no choice. They're trying to build an organization which all our life has been the Clippers in the East. They've been a joke. They went to the finals once and they right in the early 2000s when they had Byron Scott as the coach. And they were but they, they lost to the Lakers. But other than that, it's like the Arizona Cardinals going to the Super Bowl. Otherwise, it's been a joke of a franchise. You don't turn down a talent like Kyrie Irving, but you know what you're getting into.
1: Yeah, and it also comes down to mental health because the way I'm trying to – I, I might have just went over the cliff, over the edge on that. I watched it with Antonio Brown. I was there yeah. at Napa on the ground when he came in with the balloon. Didn't come into the facility, but a couple miles away. He came in with the balloon entrance, and, and then I watched him mentally break right. down. He was having a mental— I
0: remember problem. you were worried, talking to you on the phone. Yeah, he, was, was, he, he
1: became—he was mentally disturbed. He lost a year. His whole life fell apart. He's now playing pretty well with Tom Brady, but I think that's what Kyrie's going through. I think Kyrie—and even if he wanted to sit out a week because of the insurgents on the Capitol, too bad— there were people who were 80 years old, congressmen and women who were hiding under a table, fearing for their life as people were armed. Oh, yeah. Running around you have
0: to miss work because you were upset about something you saw on television. Yeah. Right.
1: Those right. congressmen and women had to go back and vote and keep the debate going hours later after they secured the Capitol. And some people are suggesting that that politically politically motivated Kyrie just a rumor to say I'm out. I'm checking out. I don't want to play under these circumstances. Too bad. Stephen A., our friend, earlier today said he should retire. It's going viral. He should just retire. And there's been, you know, Jim Brown retired at 29 years old, leading the league in rushing. I think the greatest player of all time to get in the movie industry and right. to get into politics never came back. So maybe Kyrie thinks he's going to be the next Jim Brown, which he's not, and he could just ride off into the sunset with all his money and get into political. Well, it fits,
0: it fits into the theme of this podcast, the calendar podcast at Fox Sports Radio. When, you know, when should some athletes retire? When should have they retired? And Kyrie Irving probably should. But here's another thing maybe he, he needs to do. He's from New Jersey. He fell in love with the idea of playing in the NBA on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And he went, you know, they they got off from school, wherever he went to school, and they went to a Nets game. And sometimes it happened when Daryl Strawberry, a great baseball player, came to play with the Dodgers. Uh, He was too young and immature to be around his high school friends again and around his family. He needed to be out of town in order to be a mature, productive person. Kyrie's from New Jersey. And look what happened. Some of the trouble he got in were because he's back home again and there's birthday parties for his sister. There wouldn't have been a birthday party for his sister if he was playing in Cleveland or Los Angeles. So that's also part of the problem there too. This happens to a lot of athletes who think it's their dream to go play back in their hometown. Then they go back to their hometown and they have their hometown distractions from from when they were immature, and they're still immature. So they go back to those distractions.
1: Tiger Woods, the 2019 Masters champion. One of the great comeback stories in American sports history. Did you see the Tiger Woods mm. documentary yet on HBO?
0: Ooh, I got your text. Just said oh. Tiger Woods. And you're not the only person to tell me. And no, I haven't seen it.
1: Well, Armin Contain's book, it's based on that. Tiger's not cooperating. Uh, part one was last Sunday. Uh, part two is coming up this Sunday. Tiger's We're not to...
0: cooperating. Do you find that surprising?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But some really, people who are his first ever girlfriend and his escort girlfriend at the time, Rachel, you could tell uh-huh. she's leading off with such a great opening close to the documentary. I won't ruin it for everybody. OK, but, you know, it opens up with Tiger in jail. The whole wow. documentary opens up with him just walking into jail and the footage. And then the documentary ends. It was long. It was 90 minutes. Part one. It just ends with Rachel You could tell sitting down, this gorgeous milk right. older woman just looking into the camera going, All right, what do you want to know? <laughs> okay. okay, this is good. Wow. So what you'd like about this, because your dad, and you'd understand this because my dad is so important to me. Mm-hmm. And your dad passed away when you were very young. It's all about the father-son relationship of Earl Woods. Right. And if Earl Woods wasn't Earl Woods to him, who and Earl was so flawed. Cheating on Tiger's mom, right. all the mis- all the bad things that he did, but you know he was a Vietnam two tour, Vietnam Green Beret, who went into tunnels and was working demolition, so he could have died at any moment. Very disciplined guy. He has he has Tiger with uh, Tiger's mom, and the next thing you know, Earl just focuses Tiger to be the greatest golfer in the world. We saw this with Richard Williams, Serena's, and Venus's dad. We saw it with Todd Marinovich's dad fail, right? But it got him to USA, right. got him to the Raiders. But this is remarkable what Earl did to get Tiger ready for the greatness, which was Tiger, but Earl was so flawed along the way. And Tiger really had to push him away near the end when he became so successful with Nike. 19- wow. Right business side of it that he couldn't bring Earl around there at the end because of the issues that they had with each other.
0: Well, also a lot of people whose fi- happen we've seen it with fighters, Michael Jackson, people whose fathers were their managers and really were the architects of their career. At some point, they have to, you know, ride their horse off in a different direction. So I could see where that would be fascinating. What's also, I don't know if they touch upon this, Tiger has siblings. If you were to ever watch the Masters or any major where Tiger Woods, where uh, father was there, you would not know Tiger Woods had, had brothers and sisters. Doesn't it seem like he's an only child?
1: Earl from another marriage. Yeah. Earl from another marriage. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it,
0: and it's uh, that, that part of it, you know, the other kids aren't, I'm, I'm sure, uh, aren't thrilled. You know, did one time HBO did a thing on the Harbaugh boys and their father, because they were a product of a, their father was the architect of their lives.
1: Who's got he, it better than us? Nobody. you right. Yeah, I remember. I, so I watched that special, and then I find out
0: later they got a sister, <laughs> and you would never know from watching the HBO documentary that they had a sister. Uh, and it was just like they had two boys and that was it. So sometimes, have yeah, the siblings get left out of the glory well, as well.
1: Well, one of the things about time with me with two sons, you know, as a dad, I'm a flawed dad. I'm a flawed husband, uh-huh. a human being. But you think about your kids if you have sons and say you couldn't do more. You you couldn't have been a better kid than Tiger. You to put up with what he put up with. The amount of days he couldn't play Little League. He didn't play football. He didn't do anything. He couldn't hang out with friends. Had to go to the golf course. And his dad at the golf course would leave him at the golf course and go into a Winnebago and hook up with women and leave him there on the putting green to see what this guy was like. But all the good things to prepare Tiger to be the greatest golfer, arguably, of all time, to see him in jail. And to see the backstories of what happened to his life and now how he's redeemed himself again, I said to myself, you know, some days my sons are going to make mistakes. I'm never making the mistakes of Tiger when it comes to dependency and getting arrested and all that. But to see Tiger Woods knowing he was the perfect, perfect human being, the perfect robot as a kid, there really is no surprise now understanding how he went through that massive crash in his life after you watch part one
0: yeah it's difficult and you know i, I the one part uh, here's why uh, i gotta be careful how i phrase this but there are in asian culture losing face is the worst thing that could happen being embarrassed publicly is the worst thing that could happen talking about your flaws in public is a very difficult thing if you're a public person and playing sports is more difficult many times for anyone with that background because you have to lose in front of people. And so cooperating with a documentary where it's going to show your flaws is almost impossible for him culturally uh, because, of, you know, because of the Asian side of him. He, 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 when you, anything where you're going to lose face, you don't want to participate in. Uh, In Americans, um, uh, I mean, he's an American, but what I mean is in American, in in Caucasian culture, we'll go on TV on Jerry Springer and admit that we're leaving our girlfriend for her brother. (laughs) We are the complete opposite. We will lose face on television if it means we get to be on television and get to be famous. And Asian culture is the op- is uh, much more classy. It's the it's the opposite of uh, Caucasian culture.
1: And Maury Povich, are you the father or not? In the end, right? Oh God, I know. Oh. KABC Los Angeles, Orange County, and KLOS HD two, Los Angeles
0: voters made up their minds late, which probably explains big wins tonight early for former Vice President Joe Biden.
1: I want to wrap it up with the insurgency at the Capitol and why that bothered me so much. I have two of my fraternity brothers who work inside the Capitol. Wow. One was in there and they got big jobs. They got big jobs, big so ones, they're, they're big ones. They're in there. And I was because you've
0: been around. down inside the Capitol, I've been you know, everywhere in
1: that Capitol because yep. I've gone on a couple of tours and where the
0: where, where the asshole sat court. in the speaker's seat. You've been there, too, but you were invited.
1: Yeah, I, I've, I've 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 always been fascinated with the Capitol. I really have because of the times I've gotten the tours from my two buddies, and it's it's really stayed with me because it's so historic. So watching the insurgents break the glass and fight and throw fire extinguishers and people died was really really rough to watch. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories going on now. It's just a terrible time. It really is a terrible time in this country. Going into an inauguration, which I got exactly right on this podcast, I said Joe Biden, I said I didn't vote for him, I said he would win a very tight contested election. So now we go into this, all this insanity is happening, and I think about my friends and everybody who was inside the Capitol, the Capitol Police, what they must have felt like running from these people who are running down hallways trying to protect senators and going in a different direction. Oh, that that. was
0: brilliant, yes. Not
1: knowing that if they, the cops not knowing if they got pinned to the ground that they were going to get killed, that they were going to be the last line of defense. And now we come into the inauguration and we're hearing rumors now about people taking over. All 50 state capitals. Do you think people are stupid enough to go back to the United States Capitol the night? How do you even get on a plane without everybody looking around in the plane saying, oh, that lunatic's going to be going to the Capitol tomorrow? Keep an eye on him. That's the rumor going on. That I know. Out to the inauguration, they're going to come with a bigger wave of people. That I don't think any. No,
0: no one's going to return to the scene of this crime after because because people are still mad and they scared the death. A liberal or conservative, everyone who was inside that capital's pissed off right now. All really pissed off, and they make the laws. And and you know who else's intelligence services are pissed off. They're going to find who did this stuff because they've been you know, they've had a president who hasn't taken their side for four years. So they're going to find every one of these people. And a lot of them, you know, I was talking to you in text. This is not, you know, the Civil War guys, the guys who fought in the Civil War on either side, they uh, they didn't live with their mother. A lot of times they lived down the street in a house with their wife that they built with their own two hands. (laughs) <laughs> you know that's where they live down the street from their mother with a house they built with their own two hands A lot of these guys still live with their mother a surprising number like the top guys so I don't think if you've got a lot of the leaders of uh, of some of these coalitions that are going to Washington who still live with their mother now that we find things out and they're vegans <laughs> they don't want to eat the food in jail
1: like food with a head hedger- <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's so. I don't think it's necessarily as scary as they were when they were together in a mob. And I think it's hard. You know, that's why when I was a political science major, there was always this intellectual argument about whether or not it should be called political science because there is no science to people. Politics is about people, and people are not predictable. With science, you mix A with B, and you get C. Uh, political science is really a study because you can't predict people. In a lot of ways, you know, this shows how flawed the system is in terms of even our thinking with policing. Well, they're all white, so they're not going to be as crazy as the Black Lives Matter people, and they were crazier. It was just maybe some cultural bias there. There's a lot we have to think of.
1: But because we got so much wrong as a country over the last year or so, we didn't uh-huh. see a pandemic coming. I mean, right. super scientists did, but the Americans didn't see right.
0: it. Right. We, we we, most of us don't live in a lab. Right.
1: We're wrong with the rollout. We can't get shots in arms. And everything we're doing is wrong. And nobody, nobody saw capital insurgents. No one can right. figure this out. Like, we get the smartest people in the world. Couldn't figure out that, hey, possibly this is coming, and now we're hearing about some of the news and what uh-huh. they knew. And maybe it could happen. So all of that, all of that, we have failed as a country not seeing this right in front of us, like the nose on our face. Could there be one more thing that we don't see before the inauguration, oh. Not being a conspiracy theorist? Because everything that's happening, we're not seeing. And the people that we trust to see it aren't seeing it. Could there be one more wave left of insanity before Joe Biden puts his hand on the Bible, I hope not, I pray not, but everybody else has been wrong the whole entire time.
0: Well, you couldn't have seen more than two days ago. You couldn't have seen a second impeachment where there are whispers that the Republicans in the Senate are going to go along and convict before Trump is over. You couldn't have seen that. That's a wave of unpredictability. It's my chaos theory of the universe which people would have people up again (laughs) which people would have learned about had they listened to jt and looney over the years and that would be that nobody knows what they're doing we're all bullshitting our way through life because most of us have about the same iq people rise to different levels and we kind of make it up as we go along if you remember when they started obamacare the website didn't work and I said, well, that makes sense. You know, people in politics, they get into the White House, they just hire their friends. <laughs> they don't hire the best the, the, the best and the brightest because that's the same if you're opening up a restaurant. Who do you hire? Oh, a, a bunch of your friends that you worked in the restaurant business with. That's what I did, waiters and waitresses that I worked with <laughs> at the Sidewalk Cafe in Venice. And so it's my chaos theory of the universe that nobody really knows what they were doing. And one of the memes that I saw that was so accurate was o- Osama bin Laden." Saying you mean I could have just walked through the front door? And apparently so
1: you could have you could have walked through well, you really couldn't walk through the front door because the security's tight if you're by yourself. They're looking for backpacks and bombs and rifles and all that. But when you storm the Capitol with a hundred thousand people, we found out that they, they had no clue. On how to do it. Or they tried to do it. They tried to do it because I my buddies who work there, this protocol and right. capital police and so ashamed that a Capitol police officer lost his life. But they uh, and a
0: second one has now, too. I know. Oh. And, and and I think they've only lost what's fascinating with the Capitol police in the line of duty. It was one in the past 20 years, something quite remarkable.
1: Thanks for downloading the JT and Looney podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. Fun stuff! I I loved your idea of
0: it's the uh, it's the calendar podcast.
1: Yeah, uh, think, <laughs> we, there's we, a lot in there, so yeah. title's important for downloads and clicks. And yeah. uh, good. I will talk to you. I'm going skiing this weekend with a bunch of friends. Up, nice. In, uh, Where? Ryan Head, Utah. The wow. drive is uh, for my buddy has a cabin up there. So, how we'll long drive. does it take? Uh, about three hours.
0: Well, with at least with the with the activity of, with the activity of skiing, yeah. uh you, you're not breathing on anybody. Just make sure in the cabin that you're not breathing on. Yeah, anybody.
1: we'll be spread out a bit there. And uh, okay, good. Some getaway time, and uh, I'll good. talk to you when I get back. I say, be good.